you think about having second-hand clothes? There's a ton of snobbery around buying second-hand clothes, but that's down to people's ego, not a reflection that the, the clothes are soiled or dirty. Have it. You know, like when you, when you buy a car, you have a logbook of previous owners. We mentioned that there's a scheme doing that with certain clothing. So it sort of encourages you not to just get rid of. Interesting question we've got coming up today on the People's Countryside Environmental Debate podcast. And it's about uh, fast fashion and uh, wearing second-hand clothes. You might have a, a, an opinion on that. Anyway, this, this podcast is uh, it's co-hosted by me, uh, Stuart the Wild Man Mabber, and uh, we have no plan before we start recording, no preparation, no research, no scripts, and it's off the cuff. We're, we just face the questions that you you send in for us, and uh, just like you, the listener, you're presented with it cold, and we just explore it from a relatable point, like just like you. Anyway, so my job is getting people uh, connected with nature and engaged with nature and I do that through talks, walks, radio, this podcast. Who's the co-host? I don't know. Who is the co-host, William? I don't know. My name's Stuart. You're William. I'm William Mankler. Thanks very much for being with us. Um, another podcast, another episode, another day. It's quite an interesting question we've got coming from Debs here, isn't it, Stuart? Yeah. So who are you? I'm William Mankelo. I'm a photographer. Well, I, I sometimes I'm behind a camera. I'm sometimes, got, uh, sometimes flying a drone. I'm sometimes behind a microphone. I'm sometimes sat in my living room eating a eating a toffee crisp. Mm. And although it says debate on the on the title, um, I'd probably say it's more of a conversational style. When we do have guests, it can dip into a debate a little ah. bit, but the majority of our output is listen to questions that are sent in. Anyway, we try and maintain a local feel on this podcast, even though we, it's world scale. We get listeners coming in, uh, listen to questions coming in from all over the world. And we're always trying to come up with uh, actions that address the issues we discuss. Now, what do you think about having second-hand clothes? Do you want to have a read-out Deb's question from uh, Didcot in Oxfordshire? Yeah, they all say straight away, the trousers I'm wearing today are second-hand. So, yeah. Yeah, Mine are actually a... inside-out. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it prolongs the life of them, doesn't it? Oh, uh... Uh, anyway, uh, so Debs, thanks very much for your question. Um, Didcot's a lovely part of Oxfordshire, isn't it? Yeah. Beautiful, if you like some subsidence. But there you go. Heard your episode about fast fashion earlier and you recommended buying second-hand clothes to extend the lifespan of oil and plastic-based clothes, which avoids them going to landfill or recycling when they are still in good condition. I also see images of climate protesters on social media who have purchased second-hand clothes often get the criticism that people won't listen to them as they are wearing oil-based and polluting clothing, the production process, so they are, so are hypocrites. Are they hypocrites or helping reduce the carbon footprint of the garments by purchasing second-hand? There's a ton of snobbery around buying second-hand clothes, but that's down to people's ego, not a reflection that the, the clothes are soiled or dirty. Um, down to that bit there. <laughs> There's a ton of snobbery around buying second-hand clothes, but that's down to people's ego. Well, we've finished the episode, I think. Mm. That's pretty much what it is, mm. isn't it? You know, second-hand clothes. I mean, the, yeah. yeah. Second-hand clothes. Uh, I know people who, who, who go to the Boxing Day sales, buy a load of stuff in the sales, and, and then two years later go through their wardrobe, and it's still in the wrap, still got the labels on, still got the pricing on, and they give it away. Second-hand clothing often isn't worn. Yeah, and I think 
the, uh, for me, the only things I won't ever get secondhand are underwear. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Even bedding, you could actually. I would, uh, maybe bedding and towels, I think, are yeah. three things that wouldn't be. Yeah. I would have to make sure that they were either weren't used mm. that much or they were washed well. I, I, definitely, I definitely wouldn't have secondhand underwear, for example. I remember my underwear. My underwear isn't secondhand, though it looks like it. <laughs> like it might be. Anyway, um, I remember this episode you're referring to, Debs, uh, about fast fashion. And um, it, 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 we covered a lot of different areas. And one of it, yeah, it was about um, sharing sharing clothes, you know. And uh, the, I think there was one about having, you know, like when you, when you buy a car, you have a logbook of previous owners. We mentioned that there's a scheme doing that with certain clothing. So it sort of encourages you not to just get rid of. But uh, I'll start with the top of the question. Uh, she's talking about uh, climate protesters that uh, when they're, 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 they're on social media, they're criticised saying, we're not going to listen to you unless you're not wearing any oil-based clothing. You don't drive to and from the event and all this other, other stuff. And that's just a distraction from the message they're trying to provide. We're all locked into the same systems. Okay, now many people, many non-climate uh, uh, who are against climate protesters will say, "Oh yeah, you always say that," but you know, move beyond that and start debating and conversating because we are locked into the same systems. But when we're locked into the same systems, there are a different way of behaving when you're in the same systems. So when you see these photographs of protesters, you would see in a snapshot. So I'm not going to listen to you because you're wearing oil-based clothing. Maybe they're wearing an item that's been passed down, passed on, passed on, passed on. It's well used. And they're just getting the best use. Of, it's, it exists. And what, okay? what, Instead of throwing it out, uh, they're prolonging its life. So you can't, by looking at a picture of a protester, you can't say, so I'm not listening to you because you're wearing that. But you don't know what's actually going on. And what, and what do people expect? What Do you want to walk, walk naked to yeah. these things? Because then you're like, oh, that's, that, that's almost like being... You're trying to make make them as pure as pure, but like you said, they're locked in. We're all locked into these same systems, mm. aren't we? Mm. And like you said, it, you know, the whole idea of of secondhand clothing for me is extending the lifespan of it, really. Mm. Uh, whether it's oil and plastic based clothing, because mm. that was obviously causes pollution, but cotton causes as much mm. pollution. There's a lot of water goes mm. into cotton production, for example, um, and also modern slavery in mm. cotton production as well. Uh, so it's. It's not just about oil. I don't think it's just about oil-based and plastic clothing, plastic-based no. plastic based clothing. Mm. Um, I think you also have to consider the people that are actually making it. Yeah. So the more, I mean, you could be putting somebody, something like that out of a job potentially, but also the more that you actually use it, the more that labour is actually used, if yeah. you see what I mean. It's not just it's not just um, thrown away. I mean, I, this T-shirt I'm wearing today, is a, I bought brand new. I do that sometimes. I I'm kind of fifty-fifty with 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 new and um, um, second-hand clothing. Mm. Um, this cost me like six pounds, but I'll wear this until I I I feel, I feel like it's mm. it's it's ended its life lifespan. And you can extend the lifespan of something like this because you can, if you've got some dirty stuff to wipe up, like a floor or something like that, turn these into a cloth. Mm. You see what I mean? And the um, you raised a good issue there. That you know, if if we do away with the the, the oil-based clothing, you you know, there are people who are going to lose their jobs. So, what we have to remember, and we always say this, you have to offer people guided pathways out of these things. So when you say we need to stop eating meat, we need to stop using oil-based clothing, we need to stop driving 
gas guzzling cars. There is an urgency to do this because uh, time is running out for us to ma maintain a, a, an atmosphere that we can survive in as a race. But there's also the practicalities. We may have left it too too uh, too long to 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 to, to reverse those those effects. But on, on on the hope and the assumption it isn't too late. We instead of saying we need to stop now, we need to stop eating meat. Okay, what are all those meat producers going to be doing to earn a living? You know, so we need to actually transfer those over to the new requirements well, what the products we do need because they are the workforce they are the producers who are going to produce this stuff so you then say okay we're going to phase out say eating meat or whatever but uh, it's just an example i'm picking um and then you take people with you now i don't think you need to get categorically um cut things out and say you must stop eating meat you must stop driving these cars because some people who eat meat they there's some nutrients in there they need to stay healthy um and i don't think as i always say it's not what you do it's how you do it so instead of uh just saying we're going to stop doing this because that's dictatorial you don't take people with you that way and uh, so you say and you need to have a pathway of transitional pathway otherwise Say, for example, people uh, say they want to ban the Grand National. Instantly, they want to ban it. And I've said this before, there are 50,000 racehorses in the system. The way they are trained, they cannot just be put in a field with other horses because there will be arguments and fights. Okay? Now, what you're going to put down those 50,000 horses. That's cruel. All those people who are working in that industry, what's going to happen to those? If they're going to go unemployed, that's going to be a suck on our resources. So it's a transition. And I don't think we should say we need to stop doing this. We maybe need to do less of this and less of that, less of that. That just brought, you brought that out, that those thoughts out. That's drifted away from the question slightly, but that's just the nature of it. But I'd like to focus on the snobbery. Yeah. Um, I was going to say there's, I think there's a balance to strike. There's, is, yeah. there's a balance. This isn't just yeah. one thing here, is it? But the no. snob, there is a, the snobbery of, um, you know, it, is it rooted in personal ego yeah. rather than the reflection of the quality and yeah. particularly the cleanliness of the garments? Because as far as I'm aware, whenever I bought something from the only thing, I, the only thing I've ever, ever disliked about um, buying something from a charity shop is they seem to use the most strongest smelling um, fabric softener. Yeah, to and cover I, something up that isn't there. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. to make it show, show like it's been washed. And it takes a long time to get that, that smell yeah. out I, I, because... We na we let things naturally dry. We never yeah. use fabric softener. Oh, the best for me, the best fabric softener, the best fabric um, fragrances when it's been out on the washing line and being yeah. air dried. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's definitely the snobbery must come from personal ego. Yeah. I remember uh, my wife's brother-in-law when uh, I wasn't there, but uh, I remember her coming back and saying that uh, she'd had she'd had a conversation that she'd been into a charity shop. And he said, uh, "Oh, because he he had a young son in them days. Oh, I couldn't get, I couldn't, I couldn't allow my to dress my son in uh, charity clothes. You know, charity clothes. It's not given to you as you're a char charity case. You are raising, you're buying products from a charity shop that goes to a charity. You're, you're giving, not the charity case. That's the other side. Of, that's the other side of secondhand clothing. Is that you're giving money to yeah. a charity. So generally local to you." 
yeah, exactly. And you can pick and choose which ones you go to. Yeah. I know somebody who doesn't like Oxfam and will never donate to Oxfam, or, or but will go somewhere else. Yeah, you know, you pick and choose. Uh, there's yeah. there's several several places that uh, my yeah. wife and I go to because of what we believe in. Yeah. I won't say exactly what they are because it's it's, it's personal to us, but. It, you're giving money to a charity yeah. that wouldn't have had it in the first place and and further still if you have things you don't have yourself you don't have any use for and there's very little monetary value and very very little use in uh in your time or it's sort of like it's a suck on your time to actually sell it for the amount of money you get back take it to a local charity shop yeah. they'll sell it and it'll be you'll get you'll get a warm feel a warm glow yeah. that you're helping that charity out i know you're trying to do a <laughs> segue there but i got a bit more to say but uh, uh another thing about the, the this brother-in-law i really wasn't Stuart. oh you weren't okay the brother at sue's brother-in-law my wife's brother-in-law i remember her, she had this orange dress once she wore it her 40th birthday and which i wasn't at again long story but uh she wore it for and he said to her god that, that dress is nice and she said yeah it come from a charity shop <laughs> jaw dropped and then a couple of years later believe it or not Never told him. If he listens to this podcast, he might uh, get steam coming out of his ears. She she bought him a Christmas present. It was his shirt. And got it from his brand new. In, still in the wrap. Still in the wrap. And they bought it from a charity shop. Gave it him for Christmas. And he, he loved it. He loved that shirt. Never told him it was in a charity shop. Probably he'd, yeah. he'd go to Howe if he found out. Well, my, my favourite story about charity shop find um, was my wife's wedding dress. Now, she doesn't wear dresses normally. And um, Nor do I. And she doesn't. She, did, she didn't want the traditional. It was never. It was a very non-traditional wedding anyway. Um, and we were walking around, and we end up in a charity shop. One of this charity shop local to us. Um, and walked in, and there was a dress from uh, a designer that she really liked. I said, oh, "I really like this dress. Um, it's nine, it was nine pound ninety nine, I think it was." And um, and she said, oh, "I could maybe. Could I use this as my wedding dress?" No, I can't. I, you know, I got to get a brand new one. I said, "Well." If it fits you and you like it, take it. You know, mm. go for it. Go for that. If that's what you if that's what you feel comfortable in, you feel good in, go for it. And that's exactly what she did. The beautiful thing was, she never wanted it again. She didn't yeah. want to keep it. Guess what we did with it? Gave it a charity. Yeah. Guess where we took it to? Same shop. Exactly the same shop. Yeah. So we spent nine pound ninety nine. It was almost like we hired it. Yeah. Yeah. And we took it back, and there would have been a sell it again. And then, yeah, we didn't we didn't go back and see if it was on sale again. But they would have got a second sale out of it. And that that dress might have been worn once by the per or being owned by one person. It was owned by a second person, and now it's owned by a third person. So anyway, all that I, all that from yeah, it's gone, it's gone. I said all that from a simple question from Debs. Um, I think the action in this, in a way. But I think the snobbery comes from ego potentially, but it also comes from a misconception as well. Misconceptions yeah, you're around, the charity case. Misconceptions around secondhand clothing. Yeah. You know, I think education and awareness around this as well is really useful. Um, you know, I think it's a good idea to sort of have like a try and open open a open a dialogue, open a conversation about it with somebody who's a bit of a skeptic about it. And if you're somebody like myself who who actually goes out and buys quite a bit of secondhand clothing, um, have a conversation about it and 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 talk from your own experiences don't try to don't try to tell them that they're right or wrong about it you know people if somebody wants to choose just to buy for for brand new clothes that's their choice you know we are in we are in a freed society supposedly um we're free we're free to choose these things but 
to just give somebody the give somebody some idea of what it is like to actually be living and working at living living and working, but actually buying and purchasing and and and, and wearing secondhand clothing. Also remember when you go down down the uh, the shops, uh, local shops, uh, people complain, oh, it's all charity shops. Well, actually, just think, you know, a lot of those charities are local, and they're, they're helping the recycling in your area because a lot of their stuff they're getting just isn't going to landfill. You're donating it there, mm. you know. So, and, you know, so I would also say they give the charity shops give um, certain aspects of society a, a meaning of meaningful yeah. meaning in life. Yeah. You know, just doing. You know, if, you, if you're if you're retired and maybe your mobility isn't great, or you you have certain um, mental health challenges or whatever, it gives you an option opportunity to go and do work. Yeah, yeah, for them. Be productive. You, you're yeah. not, you, you don't even have to be in front of house, as it were. You know, yeah. at the till, you could be yeah. the person sorting the stuff out the back in, in the back room. Yeah. It, it gives somebody can give somebody a real meaning in their life. Yeah. And talking about the back room, the back engine room of this podcast is you, the listeners. And a way you guys can keep us ticking along is, uh, we haven't mentioned this for a while, was our Patreon page. And something we're developing is some goals on there. If we can get to 50 backers, we'll do a quarterly draw live on Patreon. Um, and you'll get the chance to sit in the listener's chair during an episode. Now, a few, fair few episodes back, we had Headley Thorne. He, he was uh, yes. sat in that chair, sucking his dummy for four episodes. I have seen one problem with this. Um, I've just thought about it. So we, when we get to 50 backers, what we'll do is we'll actually just we'll, we'll get them on slips of paper, won't we? We'll yeah. put them in your hat. Which we, will 50 bits of paper fit in your hat? Depends how big the bits of paper are. Uh, good point, but I still quite... Even, in the smallest, in the yeah. smallest bit. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the, the. I know somebody who did a. We, so somebody we, we both know. She did this uh, outdoor composting toilet. Yeah, she said that 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 will never <laughs> fill up. And I said the law of physics at some point it has to. Yeah, there's no movement on the toilet. Yeah, no movement on the toilet. Anyway, and another challenge we will get uh, if we get a hundred backers on Patreon, we'll set up a community uh, potentially via maybe a Facebook uh, group or a Discord group. Yes. You know, and we can uh, you can get more and more involved. So there's some goals on there. And this this is specifically for somebody. Uh, this is a specific goal we want to get to. And I think it'll, we'll, anybody who wants to actually be involved in some way with the podcast, what we'll be looking for within that 100 backers uh, is uh, somebody who would become a moderator within the Discord. Yeah. As well. And, and it's all on Patreon. And Patreon is... Uh, a page, funding page, support page, where you, you pledge a certain amount of money on a one-off or a monthly basis and you, you get extra material, behind-the-scenes, behind-the-scenes unheard material, maybe some strategic planning work we've done. You'll get an insight into that. How can people find the Patreon page? Um, Patreon.com forward slash the people's countryside. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash the people's countryside. It's... The link's in the description of this podcast. And the next listener question, we're bouncing backwards and forwards across the Atlantic at the moment, but the next one is from Olivia in Ridgeway, Illinois, USA. Good day. 